Welcome back, Wildcat Faithful, to the Wildcat Radio Podcast. My name is Ronnie Stoffel, and it is Pac-12 Tournament Week. Everyone's heading up to Las Vegas this week. I, unfortunately, will not make it. My buddy here on the line, Adam Green. Adam, are you going to be – you're not going up to Vegas, are you? No, nah, no plans to this year. I've actually only been to the Pac-12 Tournament one time, and it was a couple of years ago when Arizona won the whole thing with Lowry Marketing and that team. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I had a blast. But this season just – it did not work out timing-wise, and at the same time, it'd be, I don't know. I don't know what it'd be like if Arizona did not make it to the championship game or didn't win the whole thing, how much fun it would be. I guess it's still Vegas, so yeah, could be can worse. Always, you can always find fun, I guess, in Vegas, right? But it, it would be kind of odd, and, and it's going to be, you know, obviously all of this is going to unfold, and, and we'll get into the bracket and, and the path and just what the odds are for Arizona to do anything in this in this tournament. But it, it does feel... It, it wouldn't feel right to be up there, especially on like a Friday and knowing that Arizona wasn't even in the semifinal games. Yeah. I mean? Yeah. So. I mean, every other year it's been either. I mean, God, they've won the last couple of years there, but mm-hmm. there was a sense that, you know what, even if Arizona doesn't win, they're going to play a couple of games. And it's going to be entertaining. It's going to be, you know, good basketball. And I mean, I will talk about, it. I mean, I don't know if anyone expects Arizona to come away with four straight wins and sneak into the dance. That'd be amazing. But just it's not even going to be a bunch of good basketball teams playing. Like whoever wins this Pac-12 tournament probably isn't that good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, you know, I, it's just not going to be. I mean, it's still a good spectacle against Vegas, and you can do worse than having to find things to do in Vegas. But you know, of all the years, I could understand why someone might say, you know what, we'll sit this one out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been uh, it's been tough, and everyone everyone is well aware of that. Adam, before we go much further here, and actually, you know, before we have to recap Saturday's game down in Tucson. Let's go ahead and take care of a couple housekeeping items. Wildcat Radio Podcast. You can subscribe for free through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, Bryant broke the news, right? We're now on Spotify, which is cool. Basically, any podcast catcher. As far as the social media followings go, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. Our Facebook page, Wildcat Radio. And also, be sure to check out our website, uh, WildcatRadioAZ.com. That is the exclusive home of all of our written content, as well as these podcasts. And, uh, you know, Adam, something else, obviously, bingo, right? So thank you, everyone, over the last week for the Pac-12 tournament bingo participation, or I guess you should say in, uh, all, all of the reviews and just spreading the word, sharing the podcast, everything that you as the listeners have done for us. It's greatly appreciated, and we certainly hope that everyone enjoys the Pac-12 tournament bingo uh, play out. I mean, obviously... This year is going to be a little bit different, but uh, but it's still bingo, and there's still some interactive interactive games to be had, right? Watching, watching, paying attention, hopefully getting bingo, hopefully snagging a nice a nice prize that Brian will be divvying out there at the end of this whole thing. So good luck mm-hmm. to everybody. Hope you enjoy it, Adam. Let's just go ahead and let's just get this over with, man. Like this was this was uh, this ASU game was. 
You know, I, I think for the first, what, 10 minutes or so, it really seemed like, uh, okay, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, th- this is going the, the way we kind of want it to go, right? You know, about 10 minutes in or so, it seemed like Arizona had a nice control, nice pace, 21-15. Um, but lo and behold, then there comes on about a five-and-a-half-minute scoring drought, and we're all tied up at 33 at the half. Um, I, you know, f- first half impressions other than Brandon Williams' three fouls were what? Yeah, I thought Arizona played pretty good, you know, outside of that scoring drought, which at the same time, it wasn't like ASU was setting the world on fire, that this was a solid effort from the Wildcats over the first 20 minutes. And I guess, like, when they played each other in Tempe not long ago, there was that thought, you know, Chase Jeter wasn't himself, Brandon Williams didn't play. It's like, oh, they get them with those guys, especially at home, Arizona can beat them. And not that I think anyone expected the Cats to run away with this game at all, because ASU, by and large, is the more talented team. But I think there was this belief that, yeah, the Wildcats, especially at home with their full roster, can beat ASU. And there was really nothing that happened in that first half to make me think otherwise. You know, they had Lou Dort in foul trouble. He had three fouls at the time. You know, like it seemed like it wasn't like Arizona was running away with the game, but they were certainly in it with a chance to win it over the final 20 minutes. Yeah, I'll I'll be honest. I I was somebody who actually really did believe that Arizona was going to take care of this pretty handily. Uh, I, oh, okay. I, I mean, I, and obviously, I mean that, that that's just a homer's pick, right? And I, so, the ASU fans who listen to this later, that's Ronnie saying that. <laughs> yes, not yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, good point. And actually, I was I was pretty uh, pretty flattered that we had an ASU person listen to this. So hey, we we certainly appreciate the downloads and listening. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. No, I I I really did believe. I just thought that uh, it, it seemed, you know, with like the week of preparation for Chase Jeter to get back as close to healthy as he was going to be. Uh, Brandon Williams, you know, another week, same thing, getting back to 100%, as close as he could be at home. Senior night, the crowd was going to be into it. Uh, it just felt like everything was going to lead up to Arizona just really taking care of business. And and again, you know, not 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 that not that again there was this dominant performance in the in the first 10 minutes of the game, but it just felt like you know when they got up to that 21-15 lead, whatever it was, it just it just really felt like you know, okay, good, yeah, this is trending in the direction that I kind of thought it was going to. Another Another thing that kind of validated my feeling leading into it was uh, I think Arizona, I think we opened as one and a half point favorites. And by the time of tip off that, that, that uh, against the spread, that spread had grown to three points. So I was, you know, it also then kind of just felt like, all right, the sharps are moving in Vegas knows something too about this. Everyone's feeling good. Uh, But no, obviously not. And foul trouble ended up being, being the key to this game, right? I mean, you know, you mentioned Dort having three fouls in the first half. Well, also Brandon Williams had three fouls in the first mm-hmm. half. Uh, and ultimately, he fouled out with like 13 minutes left in the game. And then, of yeah, course, Justin Coleman fouls out. So, you know, getting back to that whole that whole discussion we had last week about, you know, d- who has the better point guards? In my opinion, Arizona does have the better point guards. But in order to be the better point guards, you have to play. Your availability is crucial for that discussion. And, of course, they were not in the game long enough to, uh, to, to, to really persuade anybody in thinking that Arizona had the better backcourt in that case. So uh, hats off to Remy Martin. I mean, once again, you know, 27 points. I mean, he just lit us up once again. 10 to 17 from the field. That's fantastic for him. Uh, you know, the, the two combined games, I mean, he's just lit us up. There's really no two ways about that. Oh. But aside from that, Adam, I mean, it just everything else – Everything else, if you look at the box score between the two teams, obviously final score seventy two sixty four ASU. If you look at the, just all the main categories, rebounds, assists, you know, even steals, or I mean, somewhat there, uh, it, it just came down to ASU just simply hit more shots. 
Yeah, just a couple more shots. And, you know, you look at this again, I, ASU was the more talented team. They had greater athletes, but Cheatham only had, what, six rebounds in this game? It wasn't like he was dominating the boards. Arizona did a good job on the glass. And the turnovers, Arizona only had, and they had 17, which was a problem. I think it led to, what, like 23 points or something. So that was bad. But overall, you just look at the box where Arizona's played worse. <laughs> against multiple teams this season. They've played worse games, but when you do look at it, Justin Coleman, he fouled out, he made two of nine shots. Mm-hmm. That's not good enough. You know, Ryan Luther made a couple of his three-pointers early in the game, finished two of nine from three, and most of those were wide-open looks. Yeah. You know, Brandon Randolph, four of ten, you can live with that. Dylan Smith, three of five, you'll definitely take that. I really did his thing. And even Chase Jeter, I thought, played a pretty solid game. But Arizona is not better than ASU talent-wise, roster construction-wise this season, which means Arizona has to play really well to beat them. Back in Tempe, Luther made, what, five threes in that game? It's like five of seven, five of eight. Just you needed that type of performance, and there wasn't one Arizona player who just went off in this game. You know, Remy Martin did it for ASU, and he carried them just like he did in Tempe. But that game, Arizona had guys play well. Coleman made big shots late. Luther made big shots. This game, Brandon Williams is probably the guy who could have done that for Arizona, but he fouled out with after only 15 minutes of action. The rest of the team, I think this was their biggest problem all season long. There just wasn't that one player you could say, go get me that easy bucket. You know, you're in a scoring job, get that bucket. You're going to make a shot for us. And it cost them in this game. And it wasn't like ASU blew them out either. This was still a game. Like Arizona, I remember, took the lead. I forget how much time was left. Maybe five or six minutes left on a Coleman three. And then he fouled out like two minutes later. Yeah. But, you know, it's like Arizona was making some plays. They just, they just ran out of juice. They ran out of gas. And it makes sense. They were playing. They had to play really, really well. And they just played fine. And ASU, just by, by way of being, being the more talented team, you know, ultimately pulled away, I thought. It was pretty frustrating, I think, too, just just from the Brandon William perspective. Like, not not only obviously fouling out, but in the end, you know, fouling out in Some fifteen of those fouls minutes. Were just garbage too. Even the fifth one, like if they call that on Dort, it could have it could have easily been a block on Dort. Probably should have been a block on Dort. You know, instead of foul number five on Williams, it's foul number four on Dort with thirteen minutes left in the game. Or never see how that changes things. You know, it's Certainly it was a have. poorly officiated game, though. Both sides, it was just ugly. Just another day in the office for the Pac-12 yeah. officials. I mean, it, it's honestly I, one thing I will say about them, though, is that you know it, it didn't clearly favor one side over the other. It seemed like I there were a so, lot no. of questionable calls, really, for both sides. And so, you know, I guess it, you know if if you're going to call that early on, then you better call it for the rest of the game. And in fairness to them, I mean, if there is you know anything to be said about the officiating uh they, they they were at least fair from that perspective right now equally not, bad like, yeah. there were a couple times i think they called it i think it was one i think it might have been a kamani lawrence dunk on a fast break and they called a foul and you watch you play no one was near him like arizona got a foul for being in the area yeah <laughs> like, not touching but there were fouls on both both of course i remember that one because it was on a dunk i've seen that highlight a few times since then but no i don't think i don't know anyone who's complaining about the rest saying the refs cost arizona this game but it's more of like Jeez, just Pac-12 refs are going to be Pac-12 refs, just like you said. Yeah, it's tough. But uh, so I guess getting back to the Brandon Williams thing, right? Like not not only the disappointing that he fouled out, he fouled out in 15 minutes. And not only did he foul out in 15 minutes, he only took two field goal attempts. His four points came via the free throw line. I mean, this... 
you know, I guess, you know, one thing going into this, it really just felt like, and we were, and I specifically was banging on this last week, was saying, you know, like, you know, Brandon Williams didn't even play in the first matchup right now. And we know 14 of 28 from three point. I mean, that that's a fluke, right? I mean, that is mm-hmm. absolute best case scenario, right? That that's it's It's hard to imagine any outcome better than 14 of 28 from the three in one given game. Especially for this team. Especially for this team, especially on the road, right? I mean, yeah. so that like that is, I mean, that was tough. That was very impressive. That's what made the game close. Obviously, this this go around was like, okay, it's at home. Brandon Williams, clearly our best player, he's going to be back. Uh, it just felt so right, and it was just such a dud. It was just such a flop, and it was just so disappointing. I mean, you are one hundred percent right. Like even after all that, right around the, I think if I'm reading this right, that the, the seven thirty five mark in the second half, Justin Coleman's three pointer. Uh, actually gave Arizona the lead, 54-53. And then, obviously, Remy, Remy Martin answers 20 seconds later to recapture the lead, and from there, they never they never looked back. But, I mean, this was this was a two-possession uh, two possession game really down the stretch until about the three-minute mark where ASU just, you know, created that eight-point separation, and they just never really looked back from there. But Yeah, and especially without Williams or Coleman on the floor over the last, I mean, Williams for the last, what, 13 minutes, and I don't know, I remember when exactly Coleman fouled out. But, you know, without those guys, like, Arizona had a hard enough time finding offense all season long with those guys. You know, so you take away their two point guards, the ones who can really initiate the offense and get a shot, at, you know, when they need it. And what do you expect to happen? You know, maybe that's what you need. Something like Brandon Randolph just to go crazy, kind of like he did against Oregon State. But that just wasn't in the cards for this one. And mm-hmm. this wasn't a team like last year. You could just throw it down to Aiton or give it to Tree or even a Dusan Aristish. Like, this team never had that guy. And so you take away the two facilitators who, I mean, Williams had some great passes too in this game. You take those guys off the floor for Arizona and their offense, which is already a struggle. seems like every game is going to be so much worse than it was. Mm-hmm. You know, ASU looks, Remy Martin was making shots. Arizona didn't have anyone to do that down the stretch, and that's why the Devils pulled away. So I, you can point to a lot of reasons why Arizona lost, but I think the biggest one is that they just weren't as good. Yeah. You know, top to bottom, their roster just wasn't as good this season. They just weren't hitting their shots, right? I mean, ASU shot 49, 49%, 25-51 from the floor. Uh, it certainly wasn't because of three-point shooting, right? They, they, were just, they were just hitting their jump shots. They were, they were converting their two-point shots there, and it was just it was working for them. They just made a few more shots than Arizona was able to do. So, Just look at the basic math. I don't have the box score in front of me per se, but that Coleman three-pointer made 54-53 with 7.35 left, and Arizona scored 10 more points the rest of the way, whereas ASU scored, what, 19? Mm-hmm. Or those final seven and a half minutes. So just, it wasn't like, I mean, ASU scored 72 points. This wasn't a ridiculous game from them yeah right but this was that arizona game where they scored 64 and didn't have the good enough defense to hold the opponent to 55 like we've seen some other teams like that's that's thing is asu was a better basketball team and unlike the game in tempe where you could leave that saying well you know what if brandon williams plays in this game if chase jeter's healthy arizona maybe you know probably wins this game and that might have been true but in this game arizona just wasn't they didn't get that superhuman or above their level effort. I mean, Remy Martin's been great against Arizona, and he's been fine against everyone else. You know, he stepped up on these games, made big shot after big shot, great pass after great pass. Arizona didn't have that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, all season long, and you know, just when it seemed like maybe Brandon Williams was developing into that guy from that L.A. trip, then he gets hurt. Yeah. You know, just when it seemed like Chase Jeter might have been developing into that low post threat, he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And while both of them were back on the floor these last couple games, these last handful of games, neither one was quite at their level they were before they got hurt. And, you know, I know our hope was going down the stretch here that they'd be healthy and be themselves for the Pac-12 tournament. And I guess that could still be the case. 
But for a game like this, like Arizona needs to be almost perfect to beat good teams. And if you're not perfect, you need someone to just play out of their minds like Coleman did in Maui. And Arizona just hasn't had that guy and certainly didn't have that guy Saturday against the Sun Devils. It was a tough one. Again, final score, 72-64. Uh, you know, the, the good part, though, about basketball season, of course, is that the regular season finale does not mean that the season has concluded, right? Everybody still has their conference tournament. So, Adam, before we shift into that, actually, I do want to take a, just a quick break from one of our sponsors. All right, Adam. So, yeah, you know, obviously the Pac-12 tournament coming up this week. Arizona will play on Wednesday. Uh, actually, you know what, Adam? Before we shift to that, though, let's. There, of course, there there was. I think it was manufactured controversy. I don't think that there was anything really there, but uh, social media certainly blew up over it. Let's just <laughs> quickly talk about the speech that Sean Miller gave to the fans. After the game, really just thanking them for a good 10 years. It was obviously a tough season, but the fans, as they always do, very loyal down in Tucson, stuck with the team, came out, cheered them. You know, obviously it wasn't a packed house every night. Uh, I mean, it's hard to really blame them, but of course, you know, it, it was always. It, it, it was always a strong presence, as it always mm-hmm. is, right? It, it, it's always very good at McHale Center, and this year was really no different. Adam, why, I mean, why does everybody want to reach? It's just becoming so tiresome now at this point. It's honestly to the point of almost just nauseating that everybody just wants, it's just reaching, manufacturing the story of just like Sean Miller's toast, like that's it. Yeah, I I think there's probably some people who want that to be the case, and some people think it has to be the case, and there's others. I mean, how many people do you think think, would believe that he was making a goodbye speech just assume he's going to jail? or going to prison, or all these things, and in reality, like, there's nothing to indicate that's going to happen, yet people have this in their mind that Miller has to know more, right? And yeah, he probably does know more. He knows what he did or didn't do. Sure. Right? So, either he's, like, the world's best liar in convincing Arizona's administration that he didn't do anything wrong when he actually did, and it'll be proven over the next few months that he did do something wrong, or maybe he didn't do anything wrong, but... This idea that the speech, and I watched it, I heard it, and I guess I can understand why some people might think, oh, this is his goodbye thing. He's like, just he was getting all emotional and thanking the fans and said it has been like, you know, an amazing 10 years, an honor to coach this team. And if you want to say, like, oh, well, that's he speaking in the past tense there. Well, yeah, those 10 years all happened in the past. You know, if he said it was a great time coaching you guys, it was an honor to coach here, well, that means something different. But he didn't say that. So, you know, I think there's just a lot of people who for whatever reason, believe or want to believe Sean Miller is toast. So something like this happens, and it's he says it, and you interpret it, or those people, not you specifically, not you, right, right, right. but people interpret it that way. Now, maybe there's people like you and me who don't think that's the case with Miller, and we, re, we see that statement, and we interpret it our way. You know, biases go both ways, but I'm inclined to look at it and say, Sean Miller has the number one ranked recruiting class coming in, which took a lot of work. Right to put that together. A lot of man hours, a lot of stress, I'm sure, to put that class together. It's, what, three of the four or four of the five are signed right now. They're just waiting on one more of them. So it's not like he is going to walk away, you would think, willingly from that recruiting class, especially when he was talking about Nico Mannion just last week, earlier in the week, how excited he is to have him on campus. Uh, Mannion and Josh Green were in attendance for this game. And then Miller, his team loses this end of this tough season. So he got emotional. Okay. You know, he's allowed to be emotional, I think. So, you know, I, 
I think people want there to be something more there, and who knows, maybe a couple months from now we'll see Sean Miller was indicted or Sean Miller resigned or something will happen. But as of this moment, to me, it was just an emotional, a coach being emotional, talking about a couple of seniors who believed in him to come here to transfer to Arizona. And Miller probably felt like he let them down and he let the fans down, and yet everyone has been supportive of him. So you know, if he's not allowed to get emotional and say it's been an honor coaching here with this fan support we get, then, I mean, I don't think any time a coach compliments their fans and talks about how much of an honor it is to coach for them and in front of them means they're leaving. You know, it just means, hey, he's thankful. And why shouldn't he be? I'm, I'm personally, I, there, there's nothing there, right? So, like, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I didn't see it, right? Like, until, until Twitter really started taking off. And, and frankly, actually, I didn't even see it till the morning. Like, like we, we were at a wedding that night. And so we, I was disconnected from that, woke up in the morning, checked. And then, of course, you know, the first, like, three things in my stream are, you know, this is it, Sean Miller. It certainly seems like a goodbye speech to me. And so I'm thinking, good Lord, like, what happened? And then so yeah. you click on, you know, the video and, and you're watching, listening to what he's saying. And it's like, I no like well, i i guess i'm i'm having a hard time connecting the dots i mean like i can see what you're saying but I, why is this so like oh my god like he wouldn't have done this unless this was it it's like no not necessarily it's the end of the season it's the last regular season game he was thanking the crowd for a long tiring season right i mean it was definitely did not meet anyone's expectations uh it, it was a pretty knockdown drag out year and this is it and he was thanking them for sticking around. To your point, with trusting Justin Coleman, Justin Coleman and Ryan Luther for trusting him, giving them, giving Sean Miller their last year of eligibility in college, giving them the opportunity to come out there, thanking them, thanking their families, like everybody is just like, why does everything just now have to be so? Again, just like so manufactured, everyone's always reaching for something. I mean, it's just getting so old. But I understand, like this is a part of it, right? You know, and of course now people are going to say too. You know, it's like, well, you know, even if Sean Miller doesn't get in trouble, there's no way he didn't know about it. And you know, it's like, okay, yes, we're going in circles. Then you know what I mean? Like, just enough. Like, you know, yes, Book Richardson was an assistant for Sean Miller, right? It's very hard for anybody to sit there with a straight face and say that there's no way Sean Miller knew about that. Uh, or I guess to what extent did he know right. about it, right? Like, right. I don't want to say exactly what, he, what he knew, but to like what extent did he know something was going on? That remains to be seen. And frankly, who knows if that'll even ever be proven. You know, I, 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 tend, I tend to believe that if there was some hard evidence like this, like that was just laid upon Will Wade, that don't you think that'd be out by now? You know what I mean? Like a year later after the Mark Schlebaugh report? Well, maybe that's Andre the question thing, right like, there. Yeah. If that Schlebaugh report never comes out, what's the conversation right now? It's not this. Because by, t- by the time that report came out, what was it last Fe- – not this past February, the February before, yeah, right after that ASU now. game, mm-hmm. Arizona was playing well. And, yeah, the Book Richardson ha- thing happened, what, September, the previous September, October? Mm-hmm. Like, but people had kind of, by and large, moved on. Like, it was just not, okay, who knows where this is going to go? But it wasn't like one hit after the other after the other. And the second the Schleybaugh thing came out, there was this, oh, Sean Miller's caught on wiretap, you know, talking about a payment for DeAndre Ayton. Well – you know, that news got out there, and at that point, a lot of people just said, okay, he's guilty, he did it. And mm-hmm. never mind the fact that most of that report, if not all of it, has been debunked, which leads to a lot of other questions about the reporting itself. But I think if that Schleybaugh report never comes out, then the conversation and discussion on Sean Miller is different. 
You know, if that report doesn't come out, probably the rest of the recruiting class that fell apart doesn't fall apart. You know, Arizona's a better basketball team this season. If Arizona was a better basketball team this season, people would be talking about that. But because they struggled, because Arizona was doing poorly, because, you know, all the stuff around Sean Miller and the assistants, and I guess uh, Phelps had his issue and all that, too. But because all that happened, one thing after another, people have in their minds that, well, you know, all the chaos, Miller can't survive this. Well, so far he has. Yeah. And I don't see him walking away from this recruiting class that he worked so hard to put together, one that could very well be the one that gets him to a Final Four. <laughs> like, and if, if you're Arizona, you've stuck by him this long through all this and been up to this point, I guess, rewarded not with this season, but with the potential for next season. Mm-hmm. You know, So unless something new comes out, if you're Arizona, like, are you going to fire him because they only won 17 games this season? Absolutely Probably not. not. No. So what new evidence has to come out like that he cheated or that he knew and he let it happen? And until that evidence comes out, I don't see Arizona making a move with Miller. And given the recruiting class that's coming in that Miller worked so hard to sign and the optimism I'm sure he feels surrounding them, I don't see him walking away. Like him and Arizona both have gone through this really difficult time together. Mm-hmm. You know, where's Sean Miller going to go if he were to resign? You know, what type of coach is Arizona going to get if they fire him? Would they have the money to afford another one? So these are all questions. Like this whole situation, there's a lot of context. And most people, when they talk about it, are ignoring the context and just going straight with their emotion or what they feel is true, not with what actually is. And that clouds their judgment and forms their opinions. That's actually another thing that that you, you had touched on that I didn't touch on yet, was that Josh Green and Nico Mannion were in the arena that night. You know what I mean? Like, like there, there are just so many. It's like, why do you think, honestly, with them in the arena, on on just a nice little visit on senior night for them, still you know being one hundred percent committed to this program, mm-hmm. that he's going to step away right now? Obviously, if he gets fired, that's a little bit out of his out of his control at this point, right? So, I mean, that's like that's kind of off the table. But 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 for them to say like you know he knows something that nobody else knows and he's going to walk away or he's going to be you know forced out of the position, whatever. I, I I just don't see that being the case. You know what I mean? Like it just seemed like a thank you guys for a hard fought season didn't go the way we wanted it to, but. But hey, look right there in seats one and two of the front row right there. That's Nico Mannion and Josh Green, the leaders of next year's team, that it's going to make next year a hell of a lot more fun than this year was. Well, and also, don't you think, too, like it was, was it the Pac-12 tournament a few years ago, the one that I was at, where when Arizona beat UCLA, Miller called that timeout with like one second left. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, to kind of show support for Kadeem Allen, right? Yeah. Like, Miller's an emotional guy, mm-hmm. but don't you think he also understands what his messages are to everyone else? Like, he doesn't care what we think necessarily. He sends messages like that. He calls that timeout to show support for his guy, you know, his senior leader to show other players like, you know what? I got your back, you know, no matter what happens. You don't think that he knew Mannion and Green were in that crowd and just watched the team they're committed to lose to their rival. Everybody's like, oh, look at ASU now, maybe the new power in the Pac-12. And he's saying, and he's reaffirming that Arizona in his mind, I mean, I'm sure there are other fan bases that would disagree and could make a claim, but in his mind, Arizona has the best fans. McHale is a magical place to play, and he's appreciative of that. He's emotional, you know. He's talking about how he feels like he let his team down because the team wasn't as good as it usually is. He let his seniors down. You don't think players want to play for a coach like that? Mm-hmm. You know, so I, you know, people are telling me that, you know, Miller knows his words. And, yeah, he's a usually a calculating guy. But I think he was just emotional for a lot of reasons. And I have no doubt part of it's just the mess he's been in with the off the court stuff. Yeah. You know, but Arizona's fans have stood by him. Arizona's you know, administration has stood by him. 
And the fact that he got emotional, maybe he said something, maybe he meant to say it is an honor, and he said it has been. You know, but if he, if he had just said, it's an honor to coach here, you know, or it's been an honor to coach here the last 10 years, like, what is wrong with that? Yeah. You know, like, but if he said it was an honor, yeah, that, that gives oh, a good... Oh, I mean, but... But yeah, he didn't. No. But he didn't. That's yeah, the thing. So right. he said it has been. Well, of mm-hmm. course. He's saying that. He's praising fans. So, I mean, if, if it comes out, like, like you said, if he gets fired because something comes out that he doesn't necessarily know about right now, but this idea that he expects to be gone or that he's planning on walking away, that just seems ludicrous to it's me. Dumb. It's dumb. It's so dumb. And, and even if the proper tense was used in his speech, like the, people are still going to reach for something. That, that's where it's just like it's so annoying. It's just people are just manufacturing things. And unfortunately, this one really caught fire. I mean, I understand it, but. You know, it's like, I, I guess, what, what's what's the motive? Like, what, there's got to be, you know, oh, my God, like, why? Yes, even though he used the correct tense and, you know, he, there was no slip-ups, like, why would he do that? You know, and it's like, yeah, it's just. Well, how many people when he had that, you can drive back to Phoenix now, were like, well, he got snippy with this reporter because he knows he has something to hide. You know, it's like, no, maybe he's just tired of being asked the same question that he's answered multiple times. And here he knew this guy was only in town to ask one question that he had no, he had no interest in answering. Yeah, I don't, you know? I, so I don't he have made any a, problem with that. Like, yeah. If he had smiled when he said you could drive back to Phoenix now, would people be like, oh, like a Sean Miller, the sense of humor. Because he knows that guy only drove down from Phoenix for one reason only. <laughs> yeah. You know, after the game, people are like, oh, well, Sean Miller was asked about that. He's like, does that, you know, are you emotional because, you know, your future? And he's like, I'm not going to comment on that. People are like, well, because he didn't comment. He could have shot down the the assumptions and the rumors right then and there. Well, no, maybe he was just at that exact moment, right after the game, as he explained today, we're recording on Monday, but as he explains, like, Oh, it was just, that was right after the game. He didn't even talk to his team yet. You know, guys like Ryan Luther, Justin Coleman aren't going to play at McHale again. And he didn't feel like it was right to comment on the future in that post game press conference. You know, that's not unheard of. I've talked to coaches or know people like, Oh, that's, there are certain questions that you ask not right after a game. You know, there's certain things that you assume they're not going to want to talk about because just the emotion from that game is still too high. Yeah. And so we don't think Shumman was emotional. He's shown to be an emotional, fiery guy before. And here he shows emotion, praises the fans. And if you're a U of A fan, you understand why he's emotional. If you're an ASU fan or some of these national people are just, you know, in the anti Sean Miller narrative, you say, oh, well, he knows he's going to get fired. Or he knows he's about to go to jail or whatever. And people see what they want to see. And I know we're victims of it ourselves we're seeing what we want to see but just forget his words just look at the guy's actions right over these last year or so like it doesn't look like a guy who's quit i remember there was the big talk i think one of the tucson riders was on a phoenix radio station a year ago talking about how sean miller stopped recruiting you know and just wasn't you know he was acting like a guy who was planning on being gone and then and sure as enough he goes and recruits this amazing class yeah you know so i don't i don't know I mean, I'm not going to sit here on this podcast and say there's no way Sean Miller's not back next season because we don't know what the future holds. Sure. But if you were to, I mean, I just, I don't see Arizona firing him unless some new evidence comes out or something happens with this trial. And I don't see him leaving on his own. The current climate, nothing's changing. So, something dramatic has to happen in order for him to not be back next year. So, you know, wh- wh- whether that be on or off the court, right? And if some, something comes up, uh, something comes up, of course, you know, in terms of evidence that makes it pretty damning for him or, you know, obviously a health condition, you know, something, whatever. Uh, current climate uh, is not going to warrant him resigning or being fired. Something else has to come about. So Adam, I don't think you or I are even saying that Miller's innocent of whatever people are no, saying. We're just, no. we're just saying that until it is proven or until it comes out more than it is right now, then what is to happen? Like, What do people expect to happen? 
a lack of institutional control is 100% on the table. I mean, oh, yeah. no, no matter, no matter what, knows, but. no matter what, I mean, you are the head coach. That is your responsibility. Now, if you want to play the, oh, you know, the ignorance, I didn't, I didn't know. Like, how was I supposed to know? Well, then shame on you. You did know, and then you were lying or you hit it. Shame on you. I mean, regardless, right? Like, there is still this, uh, there's this duty of responsibility with the whole thing, right? Like, yeah. you have to be but, able to be held accountable. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for that. But now, to what extent did he know? Again, whole other discussion. No idea. And to the extent that a lot of people are like, oh, he's going to go to prison. The FBI is on going him. To prison. Well, lack of institutional control is an NCAA thing, not a criminal federal not offense. Going to prison. So, which also means that if there is this finding of lack of institutional control, and I think depending on where this trial goes, will kind of determine how hard the NCAA comes down on everybody. But there's no like guidelines that this is what's going to happen. People are saying oh, it's going to be the death penalty or no. you know probation, and like who knows what they're going to do. But I could easily see the NCAA when it's found out that. All these programs are involved, all these premier programs. I mean, well, how come no one's talking about Kansas? Yeah. Right? Like, mm-hmm. like they're right in the middle of all this, and no one's talking about them the way they're talking about Arizona. Yeah. So, you know, there is, I think Duke was mentioned in one of these two before, and I'm sure North Carolina and Kentucky were as well. Like, is the NCAA going to say, you know what, everybody who's been mentioned in this, everyone who maybe was a victim of, ass- of assistance or rogue factions that they conceivably or at least insulated themselves from, but you know what, we're going to kill them all. No, they're not going to give them all the death. You know, so we don't know what's going to happen to Arizona. And I don't think, I mean, I don't know of any Arizona fans who's saying nothing's going to happen to Arizona, just full steam ahead. Everything's going to be great. Like, no, it's, it's more like, okay, kind of wait and see. Like, I'm nervous. Don't get me wrong. I don't like that the cats are in this position. I don't like that Miller's in this position, but until anything changes, all we know is this season's been miserable for obvious reasons, for legitimate reasons. There's this great recruiting class with these just dynamic superstars coming in next season. That I mean, Nico Manning seems like the type of guy who could carry a team, mm-hmm. watch what he's done, especially at the high school level and knowing what people think of him. And Sean Miller's still the coach. Yep. Like That's where we're at right now, and that could change at any time. We know that. You know, I think we're all just that next Yahoo article away or that next slave bot appearance on ESPN.com away. From going, oh geez, here this go, here we go again. Yeah, but short of all that, just keep going. Yep, that's that's all you can do. One hundred percent, that's all you can do. So, all right, Adam, let, let's let's get on from the. I mean, we, ugh, gosh, I know we could just go on and on for days about this, and then it's just, and then we'll be it's nowhere. Gonna end sooner or later, we'll right? You'd think, yeah, you would think. But, I mean, yeah, who who knows, right? Because even come April, when if if he takes the stand in April, you know, who even knows what happens there? So, you know, yeah, no, let, let let's leave it that because that that's a whole another discussion too. So, for any of the listeners who did not listen uh, to Bryant and Rob interview the attorney from the Dog Pod, uh, I, I think would, would they call him like Law Dog or something? I think that's his nickname. Uh, yeah. If you're listening, Law Dog, I'm sorry for messing that up there, but yeah, if, if you did not hear the Log Dog. Yeah, what a mouthful that is. The Law Dog Pod uh, that Adam and Rob threw together. Uh, Yeah, please do so. That that was uh, very informative. And also, anytime you can get the perspective of an attorney, someone who actually knows uh, legally, you know, the the logistics behind everything, that's very good insight. So, Adam, moving forward to the Pac-12 tournament. So as it has been set in stone, and we knew it was a long shot, way too many things had to happen for Arizona to get a first-round bye. Uh, but first and foremost, they had to win, and they did not. So here we are. Arizona is now locked into the nine seed. They are slated to take on eighth-seeded 
USC, which will be a rematch of just the bloodbath that happened in LA right <laughs> after right after Chase Jeter got hurt. Um, you know, so obviously the difference between these games, neutral court, and Chase Jeter will be playing. You know, USC just had has also had a very difficult season. You know, never really found their stride. They obviously have the talent, Beanie Boatwright, to name one. Uh, you know, Andy Enfield had had a tough year. Somebody who was also wrapped up in the whole FBI investigation, mm-hmm. and of course, nobody's really talking about that because there was no Schleba article. Staying on track here, two <laughs> two programs that you know really, you know, last year, you know, last year they were. In the Pac-12 tournament game. championship game, right? Obviously, USC uh, arguably got hosed from making the Pac or the the NCAA tournament. Uh, but regardless, these two these these two were fighting for the Pac-12 championship crown last year. So, uh, Adam, this rematch, I personally, I was, I, mean, I was really obviously hoping for Stanford. I know that Stanford, uh, Casey Akpala. Likely a lottery pick, um, you know, Dijon Davis, very talented sophomore point guard, uh, Oscar De Silva. I mean, they, they have these guys that are, you know, this talent on that roster. Uh, but for some reason, USC just scares me a little bit more, even though I don't think, honestly, that they're quite as talented, if that makes sense, than Stanford. Um, but I mean, again, we're still talking about the eight, nine, 10 teams. So we're still talking about three teams that finished with eight and 10 Pac-12 records. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts and expectations for this USC game? Yeah, I mean, does your fear of you seeing USC have anything to do with the fact that Arizona lost them 80 to 57? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, like it's, and you can't throw that game out, obviously, because it happened. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the lack of Chase Jeter, especially that was the first game without, or the first full game without Chase Jeter, if you wanted to be an excuse, it's a reasonable one. But like USC certainly looked a lot more scary to Arizona than they did to the rest of the conference because, yeah, they're 15 and 16. They've lost their last four games. Colorado, Utah, UCLA, Oregon State, they've lost to all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not like USC's playing well. And, you know, I guess Arizona's losing, you know, losers of their last two games. So you can't argue that they are either. And, you know, Benny Boatwright scares me. Rakechevich scares me because they got size. But I don't know. I mean, they're not a good team in their own right. <laughs> you know, like these are, this is the 8-9 game for a reason. These teams are just very, very average yeah. in a bad Pac-12, which means they're probably bad. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason why I think I'm looking at ESPN match predictors, 50.1% for Arizona. Ooh. Like This game might be the Spider-Man meme where they're just staring at each other. Like, it's... <laughs> Two very probably underachieving teams to some extent, USC especially so, I think, based on the talent on that roster. You know, Betty Boatwright, that guy's amazing, I think. Yes. That's such an NBA player right there with his skill set at his size. But just neither one of these teams has been able to find its stride. They each have probably more talent than their records let on, but they're just just couldn't for whatever reason could not get it going the way they should. So, you know, it should be an interesting game. But at the very least, I hope it's more like the games Arizona's played recently, maybe not Oregon. You know, that game was close for a while, too. But the other games were really competitive. Like when they played USC and L.A., it wasn't competitive. I would expect this game to be a little bit tighter all the way throughout. I definitely expect it to be tighter, much tighter than the last one. And, you know... Uh, short week, right? So luckily there was only one game last week. So the guys should be rested. No injuries of report at this point, right? Phil, uh, recording this on Monday, the 11th, um, two days away from, from, from the opening game in Arizona. USC, of course, is that opening game, which is also What's time Arizona played the Wednesday game. It's been a while. When they was it would have been Sean Miller's third year when Arizona played in the NIT, I think probably. 
Well, but even that year, were they? Let's, I think uh, that was the year that Arizona made it to the uh, championship game. They lost to Colorado. Sounds right to me. But yes, yeah, 2012. But I don't know specifically. We're not used to seeing Arizona on the Wednesday game, and no. that's what makes the whole thing. Like, if you wanted, to, we talked about it briefly last week. I know, but if you wanted to make the case, hey, maybe Arizona makes it to the tournament by way of winning the Pac-12 tournament. Yeah, it's doable. That's the beauty of these auto bids. You know, like there's a chance until you're eliminated. But the idea of this game being the first of four that Arizona has to win where, yeah, they've won four in a row before this season. But, you know, the competition will be a little bit tougher here. But, you know, it starts with Wednesday. Starts with Wednesday at noon, which is just devastating because I'll be at work. So I do. <laughs> it's yeah. So, I mean, I guess luckily I will catch the first half and then the second half I hope my manager doesn't catch me because I'll definitely be at my desk watching the second half. But um, and then I guess, you know, if, if they win, well, then on Thursday you think, yeah, great. You know, if, if, if we just win on Wednesday, then Thursday we'll have a respectable time. Nope. If we win on Wednesday, Thursday is also a noon tip. So, uh, Adam, let's just go ahead and walk through this here. I mean, you know, I, I think that you know, usually, usually those ESPN predictability indicator, whatever tool they use there uh, to predict the outcome of these games, I, I, I feel like you know they, they can be a little wonky at times. Yes. I, I really feel like this one is spot on. I mean, there's really no telling. I don't feel super great about it, but at the same time, it's just like Arizona's just a wild card, right? I mean, USC. Both these teams are. Yeah, I mean, they, they really are, and it's just – We've touched on it all throughout the season. I mean, there's just no telling really who's going to win this thing. Now, would it shock me if it, the whole everything went chalk and Washington beat ASU in in the Pac-12 on Saturday in the final? I no, wouldn't shock me. It at would all. shock me. You think? <laughs> yeah, it would shock me, and that's where I mean, I trying to think who the most talented team in the field is. It might be ASU, but I don't think anyone would want to play Oregon right now. Colorado's playing some pretty good basketball of late. Oregon State's defense can be a challenge. Like, I mean, every team that ASU is going to have to play, or even Washington, Washington's looked bad lately. Yeah. I mean, how they looked as good as they did early on is amazing, too, because I don't think they're ever that good. But now this tournament, I don't I, – I would love to give you a prediction on who I think is going to win the whole thing, and I don't know. Like, it's easy for me to say I don't think a team's going to win, but I can't give you the one I think is going to because the Pac-12 is a mess, man. It is a mess. It is a mess. Hey, Adam, let's uh, real quick before we walk through the potential path for Arizona to get the automatic bid. Let's take one more break to hear from another one of our sponsors. All right, Adam. So obviously on Wednesday at noon, Arizona USC, right? So assuming Arizona wins that, the eight nine game obviously then feeds into uh, in, into the quarterfinal and faces number one Washington, right? So from there, um, let's assume, I mean, just for the sake of argument and playing this thing out, let's assume that Arizona beats Washington, which obviously, I mean, I really don't think is that inconceivable, right? I mean, obviously, uh, it was a tight game, uh, granted, in Tucson, but no Brandon Williams. Uh, So if Arizona wins that game, they would likely play the winner of Colorado-Oregon State, although Cal, the 12th seed, did recently beat Washington, to your point of Washington not playing too great as of late. uh, it's a bit mind-boggling, but that's a whole other thing, too. So let's just assume uh, Colorado beats Cal, faces Oregon State. You know, that is another toss-up, right? I mean, Oregon mm-hmm. State, Colorado, who knows? Colorado sneaky getting into that fifth seed, even though they only were two games better in conference play um, than Arizona. So, I, you know, it, it's really tough to say. Uh, but but let, let, let's just say let's just say it's Oregon State. 
This is where, yes, even though Arizona has beaten Oregon State twice this year, one was very convincing. The second needed a crazy buzzer beater put back by Devonair Dutrieve, which, you know, that, that, that game easily could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will be a neutral court, right? Uh, it's, it's mighty difficult to beat the same team three times in a year, which, 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 which game I think would, which, which game worries you more if it gets to that point? Is it, would it be Washington or Oregon State? I, 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 geez, I mean, if they get to Oregon State, that means they're a game away from, mm-hmm. you know, being for the championship. But I don't know if either one worries me to the extent that I'll again say if Arizona plays as well as they can, I'm confident they could beat Washington. And I know they can beat Oregon State. You know, so for a team like Arizona, if they beat USC and then beat Washington, by the time they would get to Oregon State, if it's Oregon State even. True then their confidence is going to be at a pretty high level. Mm-hmm. And this is a team that's struggled with confidence pretty much all season. So it's kind of like for Arizona to get to the point where Oregon State would matter to them, I would imagine they've found their stride. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they, having to play that extra game other than Oregon State, they'd be a little more tired that third game in three days. You know, three days. But, no, I mean, USC worries me because they have size. Washington, you said it, Arizona played them at home, and it was a competitive game, and that was without Brandon Williams. And Washington is not exactly playing good basketball all these days. So like, I'm, I'm staring at this bracket actually for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I prefer Arizona's side of it for Arizona. You know, I wouldn't want anything to do with a side that has UCLA, that has Oregon, that has Utah, that has I ASU. Agree. I agree. You know, not that I don't think Arizona can that. beat any of those teams, yeah. but I just don't want anything to do with them. No. Whereas it's weird to say I'd rather play the number one team, you know, in the quarterfinals. But and Washington's not your typical number one seed in the not pack. Not at all. They're a decent team. They play some defense, but they're not dominant, really. Like, no one on Arizona's side of the bracket is dominant. If you take away the, the numbers, right, the seedings, and you just look at the logos and the names, you have to feel a lot better about the left-hand side of the bracket than the right, especially oh, yeah. as an Arizona fan, right? Uh, UCLA, uh, Chris Wilkes is just an animal, right? Like that, that We do not have a defender, right? This goes back nope. to where... That is exactly where Emmanuel Acott would have just been perfect, specifically for that matchup. Uh, obviously, not here, long gone, hasn't been here in quite some time. That just, to me, seems like such a matchup nightmare. ASU, right? ASU, we just saw it. It's a bit of a matchup issue, too. Foul mm-hmm. trouble, right? Obviously, you got to stay out of foul trouble, which is somewhat correctable. But as far as you know, ASU as a team, you know, they're, they're, they're athletic. They're, they're talented, right? It, it yeah. can be scary. Uh, Oregon and Utah are two other teams that just scare the bejesus out of me. So just, well, thinking, they should. just thinking that you potentially, like if you get all the way to Saturday, you would have to just play one of ASU, UCLA, Utah, or Oregon. Most likely, yeah. I would feel a lot better about knowing I didn't have to play three of those four teams, right? Like the first yeah. round, second round, third, and then play like, say, Washington on the other side. And I, I don't definitely think- feel better about the left-hand side of the bracket. I don't think that's to say that either of us are expecting Arizona to make it that far. No, <laughs> I mean, they're the, they're really, the ninth no. seed for a reason, right? Yeah. USC is a bad matchup. Washington, as bad as they've played, they're still the one seed for a reason. And if Arizona play, you know, if Arizona somehow makes it to to Friday, chances are they're playing a team that is seated significantly higher than them. Who, you know, Oregon State we know didn't beat Arizona this season. Colorado did on the road. So, you know, none of this is easy for Arizona. There's no there's no clear path for Arizona. There should never be a clear path for the number nine seed. Yeah. But in terms of which teams, if they played Arizona, if Arizona faced up with them, would I say, oh, 
I don't see a win for I don't see how Arizona wins this game. Really, the only one that would be on Arizona's side is probably the team they're playing on Wednesday. Man. And that's just because they played once this season, and it was an absolute train wreck for the Wildcats. Yeah. But you can all say, hey, there was no Chase Jeter. So, you know, we've seen Arizona at mostly full, at full strength lose to Oregon. We've seen them at full strength lose to ASU. We've seen them struggle mightily with Utah. You know, and UCLA is as talented as anybody probably when they have their heads on right. Mm-hmm. But the left side of the bracket, the side where Arizona's, that's like, yeah, there's, you know, Washington's played well enough this season to be the one seed, but they're not great. Oregon State is inexplicably the four seed. You know, they're not a particularly great team. They lost to both Arizona schools last, you know, a couple weekends ago. Yeah. You know, Colorado, the five, okay, fine. Cal, it's USC might be the worst matchup of the bunch for Arizona, and they get them on Wednesday. But if they can get past the Trojans, at least matchup-wise, it doesn't seem horrible. One other thing I want to point out is the start time. So obviously I've already touched on Wednesday and Thursday with the noon tip times, right? Um, it, this, this is where the early tip times can really bode well for an 8-9 matchup, right? Uh, the winner of, let's say the Arizona or USC, right? I, the, the winner of that game goes on and beats Washington, and they are in the semifinal for Friday. Friday's tip time is 6 p.m. So that is probably about an extra three to four hours of rest that you would yeah. get versus being on the right-hand side of the bracket for, say, the 7-10 game, right? The 7-10 game, UCLA-Stanford, the winner of that game, that 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 first game, Stanford-UCLA tips off at 6 p.m. The winner of that plays ASU the next night, 6 p.m. That's consistent, par for the course of what's happening on the mm-hmm. left-hand side. But then the next game starts at 8.30 p.m. So, I mean, theoretically, you would, by the time your game ends, and in terms of, like, warm-ups and everything for Friday's game gets going, you're not even talking about a 24-hour turnaround at that point. You're talking about a solid 24 hours for, you know, I, I really, I mean, I, either side, right? So, I guess I, either either Washington, Arizona, or USC, whichever one of those three schools would go into the semifinal game. So, yeah. Um, that, I mean, it's just those little things, which probably ultimately won't even really matter, but it's just something else to kind of keep in mind when you're talking about, you know, where can you get the breaks that you can? I oh, guess, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's a tall order. And for a team like Arizona that has very little in the way of depth, to ask them to win four straight games, you know, four games in four days, or even just win three games in three days is really a lot. And I'm not predicting it. No. You know, I'd be happy with a win on Wednesday and then losing to Washington. <laughs> you know, just let me see one more win this season just so I can enjoy Arizona basketball coming out on top just one more time this season. You know, I could live with that because the last one, granted, their last one of the season is that Devonair Dutrieve uh, put back. You know, there's, there's worse ways to win your last final, you know, your final game. But, you know, it's just, I don't expect it from Arizona, but at the same time, like I told you earlier, I don't expect anyone to win this tournament. I know someone's going to. Somebody has to. (laughs) But I can't. But I don't know who I would pick to do it because there's not one team that I feel confident enough to say they'll win four straight games. It's hard for me to even say I could see a team winning three. Mm -hmm. You know, like if Utah or Oregon or if Utah or ASU catch a break maybe and the lower seeds on the other side of the bracket do win, then, you know, maybe they do it. But I, I think this is for every team in this tournament, just a game-by-game situation where, you know, every one of these teams has flaws, potentially fatal flaws that could cost them. And really outside of Cal, and I'd like to say Washington State, but even then, both, you know, Washington State slayed some giants this year and Cal has been respectable of late. I would say every one of those other teams you can make a case for. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a strength for this conference. This isn't saying they're all good, but <laughs> they're all good enough to beat each other. Two questions for you here while we wind down here a little bit. 
so Arizona USC, obviously, then the winner plays Washington. How, what's what what is what is realistically realistically your pick for Arizona's performance in this tournament? How many do they win, if any? Uh, I mean, how far do they get? You know what? I'll, <laughs> I'm going to say Arizona beats USC because I think Arizona's probably better coached than USC. So mm-hmm. Wednesday they'll be more ready to go in this one, um, and then Arizona beats the Trojans, and then probably loses to Washington. That's what I'm thinking on too. Thursday. I'm leaning that way, and, too. It, and if that's the case, you know that's how they go out. Assuming like I'm assuming it'll be a competitive game against Washington. Then you know Miller has said, I think after the game yesterday, or might have been today, uh, in his press conference, he's like, you know, he thinks that they've gotten the most out of this year's team. You know, which maybe you could argue they've underachieved in some ways, given the injuries and the defections. Maybe they didn't, but if they make the quarterfinals and lose to the one seed in the Pac-12 tournament, okay. You know, the season ends with a bit of a whimper, but this whole season was like that. You know, I'm not expecting a miracle run here. I don't know how anyone can, but, you know, I'd like to get to that point. I'd like to have a chance to beat Washington. Why not? I I actually really agree with Sean Miller because, in, and as everyone knows, especially by the time they listen to this, uh, that all of the Pac-12 uh, first, second, honorable mention teams were, were, were named today, you know, freshman teams, everything. Uh, the only U of A player to receive any honors was uh, Brandon Williams, and he was an honorable mention for the all-freshman team. You know, I, you, you just I, – I can't see a world where if Chase Jeter, the way he was playing and the way Brandon Williams was really coming on, that if either of those guys or both of them stay healthy – that neither of them are left off, uh, you know, even honorable mention for the conference. I mean, yeah, sure. But, you know, Brandon Williams at that point is probably elevated to first team. Uh, all I think if he's healthy, then he is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just really hard to think. So, I mean, with, with the, the point that Sean Miller made there with the injuries, it's just really, it, I think it's hard to dispute that. So I do think, you know, in some weird way, it seems really weird to say that a seven and 14 team, uh, you, you got the most out of that is, Sounds goofy, but I do think there is some truth to it. But Adam, I'm 100% with you as far as as far as you know what the prediction will be for Arizona in this tournament. That seems like the most likely outcome, right? Um, of course, you know if, if you had to assign probabilities to it, I mean, I would say there's like a 75% chance that that's what happens. I, I really do feel pretty good about Arizona beating USC, uh, but but then at the same time, it, it definitely feels I don't know. I mean, I say 75, but I mean, is it really truly more of a 50-50? Maybe, you know, but I that they I do, beat USC. Uh, no, that USC oh, that, beats Arizona. Right. Oh. I mean, like it could go the other way just as easy. But it's just, still a USC team that beat Arizona by 23. Yeah. <laughs> earlier in the season, you know, yeah. with or without Chase Jeter. That's still a it, we all we watched that game. It was bad. It was it was it was very difficult to watch. And it was never a game like USC just came out early, got up big and then never looked back. Um, but but it, there is just something that just feels that like, you know, Arizona, Yes, they're coming off of two pretty bad losses, I would say. You know, that Oregon game where they just had a second half, the most forgettable second half probably of the entire season. And then the ASU game where really they just, even though the first half score was 33-all, you know, in the second half, of course, foul trouble and stuff, it was just another one of those tough games for them. Uh, You're coming off two back-to-back games like that that – it's just not not leaving the best taste in your mouth, but it just does feel like Arizona's going to take care of business. And then, you know, ultimately, if you lose to Washington, you lose to Washington. Not very many people would be picking you to beat Washington. So, I mean, at that point, you're probably playing with house money anyway. So, uh, you know, the knows? team that you know you competed with. 
without yes. Brandon Williams. It is they, they're beatable. That's for sure. They're absolutely beatable. I'm sorry if you lose to Cal in the season that Cal's having. Uh, you are pretty vulnerable in my opinion. Now, obviously, it's just one game, and you know who knows what was going on, but uh, that that speaks volumes to your vulnerability, in my opinion. So, who knows? Who knows mm-hmm. how that can go? Um, so, Adam, with that, the second question being: So, you obviously your gut's not telling you Arizona is going to run the distance here. Uh, who do you feel most comfortable with winning this uh, tournament? I, I know you said you can't see anybody winning, but Adam, somebody's got to win. So, if you had to pick somebody, <laughs> who 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 are you picking? I mean, can I, my first instinct is Oregon. Okay. You know, but then that's asking them to do four games in four days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really trust Utah. Okay. So like, I, I actually, I mean, I, I could, it's Oregon or ASU, I think. Okay. You know, it might be the two most talented teams left in the field. Um, Oregon, I think is better coached, but they are also the sixth seed. Mm-hmm. So they got a fair road, but I think, you know, ASU is going to have to probably beat UCLA which is a tough ask, and Stanford they've struggled with, you know, this season at times too. Um, Oregon, I mean, that side of the bracket is tough, I think. But if I had to pick one, because uh, I don't want to pick ASU, I'll take Oregon. <laughs> That's fair. But I could see the winner coming from that side of the bracket. I'll hedge it that way. Uh, if I my my pick's actually going to be Utah for some reason. Okay. I just I, I really like the backfield with Bearfield and uh, and Coach K. Larry Kristowiak, man, that that guy is not only somebody you never want to get in a street fight with. I just feel like he really has he he he's a good coach. You know, I feel like look sim- at you connecting with all the Utah fans who hate Arizona. <laughs> hey, look at Ronnie trying to mend bridge, like build bridges, mend fences. Hey, that's what we're here for, man. That's what we're here for. <laughs> we 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 appreciate you guys, and you know what? When you guys play ASU on Friday, we're definitely rooting for you. And not to mention, and not to mention those ten to one odds to win as the three seed, they have they have longer odds than Oregon, Colorado, and Oregon State. I mean, that to me is just offensive. I understand call or that Utah's playing or Oregon, excuse me, is playing very well right now. But let let's not let's not move past the fact here that Oregon is the six seed, right? And that's where then it also gets into the the four straight days thing. So mm-hmm. um, yes, yes, they. Uh, they just destroyed ASU not that long ago. I get that, and then they just destroyed Arizona in the second half of that game. I get all that, but but let's let's um, let's focus on the facts here, right? Utah's gonna be nice and rested, and Larry Kristowiak's gonna have his boys ready to go. So, oh yeah, I mean, it's, there's a lot of teams that can make a claim for the Iron Throne of the Pac-12 tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of teams out there, but no one that you feel like. I mean, you say Utah. How confident are you in Utah? Uh, again, it gets back to, I'm not confident in anybody, but I mm-hmm. just, I kind of like, I, it, there's just something that feels about Utah. Them. Yeah. I mean, you I honestly think you can make the case about four or five teams really. Um, just, just in, in, in the basis for each of those cases is everybody else sucks. Like it's just a bad year. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, there's just something about Utah that just feels right. I don't know. I like that. You can make a case for everyone because everyone sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> but it, it's true. Like, I mean, there's there's talent on these teams, but there's not a lot of supremely talented teams. No, you know, there's not Arizona or UCLA or Oregon's of the past where you're like those teams were just dominant all season long. They got all these NBA players on their rosters, and you know that's that's not this season. And you know, we can blame Arizona largely for that. UCLA as well. You know, they're two usually the standard bears, even Oregon, they're playing good now. But the teams that have been the top of the conference for the last 
four or five years pretty much were all down this season. Mm-hmm. So credit to Washington for stepping up, credit to ASU for putting together a solid season like they have, but I don't think anyone from this conference scares you, and I'm curious to see what happens in this term because you know if one of those at teams gets the automatic bid, how many of these at-large teams like an ASU all of a sudden finds their bubble chances a little bit, a little more tenuous, right? Like, yeah. you know, a lot of people Tough. think they're a lot of people think ASU's in no matter what happens in this tournament if they win their first game on Thursday. But like you it. know, the thing with a tournament like this, like if you're assuming Washington's in the dance, and I am, and then let's say Oregon wins the Pac-12 tournament, gets the auto bid, does that knock someone off? Does yes. that knock ASU out? Does depending on what happens with other conference tournaments with teams that maybe wouldn't normally make the dance, finding their way in, what does that do? Like, I'm interested in this, like. Every team here, except for maybe Washington, has something to play for, and even Washington seeding. You know, but if you're Utah, you're Oregon, you're Arizona, you're USC, you're Colorado, you're UCLA, you're ASU, like, you need to win this tournament to guarantee your spot in the dance. If you're outside of ASU, you have to win the tournament because otherwise you have no chance. You so, are out of this world drunk if you think that there is a scenario where Washington, ASU, and the at-large, which would not be Washington or ASU, get into the tournament to represent the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is not going to have three teams in this year. I have tournament. a hard time seeing it myself. I mean, but I guess it depends on what happens in other conferences. Yeah, it matters. I, 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 uh, you're going to really it's hard to talk three into teams. that. It's hard to see three teams from the Pac-12 making it. Yeah. Because the Pac-12 was that bad. So, I mean, if you're ASU, and I imagine Hurley has this with his team, you can't go to this tournament and think, I just need to win a game and we're fine. No, you have to win the whole thing. Yeah. You know, and everyone else who's outside of Washington, because Washington's in, they're a lock to me. But everyone else, like ASU might get in without winning the tournament. No one else will. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to play for for every single team. It's not just seeding in the NCAA tournament. You know, or pride in the Pac-12, you'd like to win the tournament just because you're playing it. No, if you want to play outside of this, outside, you know, not the NIT, I guess. But if you want to keep playing, you have to win this whole thing. So it should make it at least entertaining. If it's not quality basketball, it should be kind of fun to watch. And I'll leave it at this, and, and we'll 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 wrap this thing up here on this note, Adam. Um, the a- ASU uh, and, and maybe even Washington for that matter. Although I think you know Hopkins has really got something something going up there. It's pretty good, right? And you know. With with Arizona bringing in the recruiting class that we have next year, uh, you you should suspect that UCLA is going to land somebody that will get that thing turned around next year. Uh, USC, you would think that you know, I guess barring any dramatic updates with the FBI investigation in terms of what Andy Infield's implications are, um, you know, he'll, he'll probably right the ship there a little bit. Utah is always competitive. You know, Oregon, Dana Altman. Um, this ASU, if you do not win the Pac-12 tournament this year, it might be a few more years before you're ever set up in a nice situation like this again. So uh, mm-hmm. ASU fans, I... I you know, I, I obviously don't want you to, but for, for your sake, I hope you guys capitalize on it because it's not happening for a very long time. And I will say, if they make the NCAA tournament, they're going to be a scary team. They'll be like a 10 seed or an 11 seed, but they'll be a team that could surprise someone. Could happen. Could happen. You but they got to get there first, and that's not guaranteed, I don't think. That's it. All right, Adam. Well, I think that'll do it. We're definitely approaching that hour mark, if not slightly thereover. So, uh, all right, everyone. Well, enjoy the tournament. Uh, For anyone that's going to Las Vegas, be sure to follow 
the Wildcat Radio Twitter handle at Wildcat Radio AZ. Bryant, Rick, Rob, those guys, uh, they'll all be in Vegas. They'll all be doing, I'm pretty sure Brian said they're going to be doing a, uh, a a live podcast once again, or at least one. I think he maybe even said they're going to do two. So I, I believe everyone gets there on Thursday. So hopefully Arizona is still alive for everyone to see that. Um, but if nonetheless, yeah, be sure to go hang out one of their happy hours, say hi, stop by, uh, make an appearance on the podcast. And Adam, uh, uh, next week, uh, we'll definitely wrap this thing up one way or the other. Uh, put put a bow on the 2018-2019 basketball season. Unless uh, we're talking about an NCAA tournament game, in which case I think we'll all be surprised and celebratory drinks will be in order. It'll be a lot of fun if that's the case. So, uh, we'll drunk podcast tuned. that one. We'll drunk record if yes. we're talking about that. Yes, yes. There, there, will be, there will be a lot of celebrating if that's the case. So uh, everyone, enjoy the Pac-12 tournament. And until next week, bear down.